to uh, Ridgeview Church. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad uh, you're here to uh, worship with us uh, on this Sunday morning. We are kicking off a brand new series and full like invitation. Uh, every time we launch a series, we, we have donuts. And so if you walked in and you just went straight to a seat and you don't have a donut in your hand, you can get up right now and you can grab one. Those donuts are for you. We don't want any left. Uh, this is just a way of us celebrating uh, being together, but also um, kind of a way to, for us to just celebrate an opportunity to learn uh, more things. And uh, we just finished the series, Winning the War in Your Mind, and today we're talking about getting back to the basics and the ideas of what are the fundamentals and the keys uh, to the Christian life. And so if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're looking back at your life, uh, this is going to be a review, a time to maybe renew things that you need to continue to focus on. Uh, if you're a new Christian, uh, our, our goal is that this will give you some guidance. These are the things to, to focus on and emphasize in your life. And then if you're investigating what it means to be a Christian, like you're not yet sure what it means to follow God, you're not even sure Jesus is who he said he was, uh, this series will give you a chance to kind of explore some things which will help you uh, investigate further. Uh, the great thing about Christianity, it's actually something that can be investigated, and you don't have to turn off your brain, and you don't have to check out of your life for things to make sense. In, in fact, it's the opposite. I believe, just because of my own life and countless others through the centuries, the actual more that you test it, uh, the more refined you see it is. And the hotter the heat that you give to it, uh, the more beauty you see. And, and that is true, but that's something that many people will tell you, uh, but you need to experience uh, for yourself. And so no matter where you find yourself, I hope uh, that this series will, will be a help. And so uh, back to the basics, fundamentals. Uh, we have a key sport kicking off this weekend, the NFL football. Uh, any of you guys fans? Okay. Just a reminder, you check your fantasy after the service, okay? I'm watching. Just, you know. But uh, it, it's very interesting at the kickoff of the season, uh, things, games will be played. And we'll be watching, and we've got games on Thursdays and Sundays and Sunday nights and Mondays, and soon it'll be every night of the week we'll, we'll find ourselves. Uh, but what you see in the product of the TV and the game is, is actually a picture of all the practice and the hard work that, that athletes of any sport put in. Uh, we pay or we tune in to see uh, the finished product, uh, but what we don't see is all of the work behind the scenes. Uh, that's what fundamentals are. And in any NFL season, uh, at the beginning of it, there's a whole bunch of prep that happened before the season started. Uh, you have workouts that players have done on them, you know, by themselves, maybe with some teammates. And then you have uh, different workouts and drills and classroom study that the teams do. Some is optional, some is mandatory. If you're a rookie, you have a mini camp that you have to go to. If you're a veteran, you come to your own camp, and then the whole team comes together. Then you do preseason, and then finally you're, you're, you're ready. But it's very interesting because in any sport, uh, it's the fundamentals that actually do determine success. It's the things that you do uh, when no one is watching, the things that you have to do again and again and again uh, to stay on track. And uh, the reason that is is because in the big moments, uh, you don't, you don't want to fail. You actually want to make sure that you can do what's needed to help your team. Uh, here's a clip of a receiver uh, that did not do this. Let's watch it. And five downfield, wide open, but unable to secure it was Aaron Jones. He had it every which way. 
but in his hands. Watch it again. Aaron Jones had it right there. It's a, just a great play call. Ball may have been a little behind him, but you got to make that catch. You got to come down with that, especially when Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers dial it up like that. Any Green Bay fans? Not now. <laughs> Not now. Uh, very interesting. Did you hear what the commentator said? He had it every which way, but in his hands. So did he have it? Or he had it right there, but he didn't catch it. And you see that when it comes down to the fundamentals, that, that's the proof. It's got to be in those game time situations when the stress is on that, that things will happen. And in, in that instance, that specific receiver uh, lost his grip, didn't have the ball. They didn't score. Now, where am I going with this? Are we just going to talk about football. Some of you are like, this is the greatest Sunday of my life. Where's the chicken wings? Let's get this thing started. But no, we're not going to be streaming any games. I apologize uh, for those of you that came for that. But uh, it's very interesting, though, because that, that idea of like losing the grip is what can tend to happen in the Christian faith. You can get overwhelmed, and you can get sidetracked, and you can focus on a lot of things. And in the end, you can actually lose your grip on the keys uh, to getting to know God. You can lose your grip on the things that actually help you grow. And you can look in the wrong places and you can get so consumed by the things in this life that you forget the fundamentals. You forget the things, sometimes the simple things, that can help uh, you grow. And so I hope, again, that this will kind of put a spotlight on these are the things that you can keep coming back to again and again and again to help you in your journey with God and in your spiritual growth. The reason spiritual growth is so important, whether you may realize that or not, is in the end, when we seek uh, spiritual growth and when we seek to, to mature, a lot of times what we're asking is, how can I move forward? Like, how can I uh, have guidance in this life? And some of you are here at church, in, in fact, trying to seek that guidance out. Like, you, you may feel stuck. And I think we're in a time in our culture and in our world right now where uh, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of confusion, and there's all sorts of people telling you what you need to do right? It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, somebody's telling you what you need to do. And the guidance could be helpful. The guidance could not be. But the question is, are we tuned into God and what he wants us to do? Is that a question that we consider? And then if we do consider, how do we know how to hear from him? And so you may be facing some career choices right now, and you're trying to figure out how to move ahead in your job. And there might be some real stress there. And Back to the basics is the type of thing that can actually help you hear from God related to your career. Following God speaks to the actual things that you face. It's not in theory. Uh, it's not irrelevant. It's actually with what you're dealing with. Some of you may be in a, a tough relationship. There's conflict maybe in your family with some friends, and you're trying to seek guidance in how to move forward. Well, getting back to the basics can help you in that as well. So wherever you find yourself, God will speak but you have to know how to hear him. And that, that's what we're going to focus on uh, in this series. Uh, what I want to do is I want to kind of paint this backdrop of this time uh, in the disciples in Jesus' life. Jesus came and he had this public ministry and he had these followers. In fact, he had 12 men that he was leading and teaching his ways and they were getting to know uh, Jesus 
They had seen him perform many miracles. They had seen him speak with truth that they had not heard before. And as he was wrapping up his, his life, he was going to be heading to the cross. He knew that the price that he was going to pay. And if you know the story of Jesus, which I'm sure most of us do, uh, the Bible speaks of this Jesus who came, and he actually did die on the cross for our sins. And he was killed. But he rose again, and he resurrected. But before this happened, Jesus is trying to uh, explain to his disciples and his followers that this would happen. And they didn't quite understand what was going on. And one of the, like, the last instances of Jesus' life, he's having uh, this, this meal, like some will call like the Last Supper. And this is where we, we celebrate the Last Supper, or some people call it communion. And it's this idea of the, the sacrifice, remembering what he did for us, the breaking of his body, the spilling of his blood on our behalf because of the debt that we have because of our sin. But in real time, this is happening with the disciples, these people who are trying to figure out life and his teaching, and he's talking about where he is headed. And I want to pick up in John chapter 14. If, if you've never read the book of John, it's uh, one of the accounts called the, the Gospels, and it's the story of, of Jesus. And John is a very helpful book to get to know Jesus and his teaching. And in John 14, he's facing his disciples. He knows that there's a lot going on, and this is what he says. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. I believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So to set this up, right before he said this, Jesus talks about the one who will betray him, Judas. And in this crazy account, he says, there is somebody who will betray me, the one that takes the bread that I have dipped. And then Judas takes the bread and Jesus tells him, Go do what you need to do and do it quickly. And Judas leaves. So if you can imagine, Jesus is talking about the one who's going to betray him. This is with this group of this band of brothers who've been together, who have this like tight-knit relationship, and all of a sudden, one leaves. And Jesus labeled him the betrayer. But what's interesting is some still didn't get it. Like, huh, I wonder where Judas is going. I think, well, he's the guy that handles the money. Maybe he's talking about going quickly to gather the funds for this trip that we're going to embark on. And so, like, they're totally disconnected. Jesus is talking about this betrayer. He's going to be betrayed. And then Peter says, listen, listen. I will never betray you. I will lay my life down for you. And then Jesus looks at Peter. And he says, actually, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Now, if you could imagine... He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be denied. And there is some really thick, funky tension in the room right now with Jesus. They're thinking like this. What is he talking about? It's confusing. And so Jesus, picking up on what's happening, starts with this, this premise like, do not let your hearts be troubled. The reason I bring this up is where I started with all the things that you're facing and all the things I'm facing, it's very easy for us to be consumed by a troubled heart. All the things that we have going on in our life all the things that we see going on in our culture, all the things that we see going on in our country, all the things that we see going on in our world, our heart can be burdened, it can be heavy, and over time, it could actually be hardened because of life, because of the things we're dealing with, because of the things that we face. And Jesus always meets you where you are, just like he did with the disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And he's speaking about now eternity, like I'm gonna go before you, I'm gonna prepare a place for you, this life, the trouble, all the pressure that you're facing, it's not it. 
This is a glimpse of the life that you have forevermore if you decide to follow me. Eternity forever with me and my Father in heaven. So he's speaking of eternal life. He's saying like, look, I go before you. I'm going to prepare a place. There's many rooms, meaning like this salvation that I've come to proclaim and this salvation that I've come to lay down my life for, it's for you. It's for all who decide to follow me. It's for all those who believe. And so he says, do not let your heart be troubled. And then he connects it to the fact that you can have hope. You can have hope that even when this life is tough, there's more. It's not it. This life is not all that there is. There's more going on there. There is forever. But what I love is the transaction that happens after this, which shows kind of Jesus, his divinity, his hope, and then the human condition. And notice what happens in verse four. It says, Jesus is speaking, and you know the way to where I'm going. Verse five, Thomas, this is the same doubting Thomas, said like, Jesus can't be alive. I need to see his wounds. I need to see where the sword pierced him, where the nails were in his hands. I need to see it. And this is before this, and this is what Thomas says. He says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I love that. You just said, for our hearts not to be troubled, you just said that you're preparing a place. We have no idea what you're talking about. And in fact, we don't even know where you're going. I love the honesty there. This is what's so interesting about Christianity. What they do is they show the doubts and the skeptics. It's not this polished account. What it is is humans trying to interact with the living God found in Jesus that are in their own confusion and hopelessness, even when he gives hope. Just, yeah, we're not really buying it. We're kind of lost. We're confused. You're talking about you're going to leave us? Are you kidding me? We've left everything to follow you. You can't leave us. And the stakes are laid out there. And then what follows is probably one of the most powerful verses you'll find in all of Scripture. And this is what Jesus says. Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very interesting. Do not let your hearts be troubled. If you turn to follow me, you will live forever with me in heaven. You will have eternal life. You can live for something greater than this earth. You can live for something greater than yourself. And the doubter is, yeah, but that's confusing, and we don't even know what you're talking about. But then he says, listen, you don't have to be troubled because, not because you've got it all figured out, but you can look to me. And then he describes himself. And so today's message is called Christ the Center. The basic tenets of Christianity is found in this verse. The statements, the I am statements of Jesus himself. And so what I want to do is I want to break this down and focus on what this means for us, uh, for all who follow Christ, what it means for you if you decide to follow Christ, and then what it means as, as we approach the world. Like, what does this statement actually mean? And so let's dig in. It starts with the statement that Jesus is the way. And if you're following in your listening guide, you can see John 14, 6 there, and you can underline that word. It's just very helpful, the way. Jesus says, like, I am the way. Now, the way means there is a specific path. It's like this, this road or path that you embark on. In fact, fun fact, fact, fun fact, there, uh, the early movement of Christianity was actually not called Christianity. It was called, you know what? The way. Could you imagine that today? Are you a Christian? No. I'm a part of the way. 
You don't even have to guess what we think. We're the way. Very, very fascinating. But Jesus himself, the reason we have that is because that's the label he used for himself. Now, what does this mean? Well, I don't know if you've, you've driven around much in like big cities that have a lot of one-way streets, okay? A one-way street is great if you know where they all are. If you're in a new environment, in a new city, uh, one-way streets can actually be overwhelming. A few years ago, I was in grad school at, near San Francisco, and I decided on my last day that I'd take a trip down to the city in my, uh, my, my rental car and kind of explore. And this is before, like, cell phones and, uh, you know, the maps on your phone. I had one of those, like, uh, Garmin. Remember those? Garmin's, like the Dash Garmin, you know? I was, like, totally connected technologically, you know? And uh, you guys aren't appreciating how cool that was at the time, but it was very, very cool. And uh, I had the Garmin, and I'm in San Francisco, and it's raining. And the problem with satellite and the technology at the time is, like, adverse weather and skyscrapers do not allow satellites to work. Did you know that? Don't say you didn't learn anything today, okay? So as I'm driving, my Garmin is literally like, turn right. And I'm, you know, turn left. And I, as I, it's just freaking out. And so I just start, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, an Alex Classic. This is the Alex Classic of driving. I'm just going to feel it. I'm just going to feel my way. Just close, you know, close. No, I don't close my eyes. But I started just going down streets, and I think, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out where, where I'm going. I don't even remember where I was going. And all of a sudden, I go, I'll go down a street, and I just see a bunch of cars in every lane coming my direction. And I'm thinking, how are they all wrong? That's so weird. How are they all going the wrong way? And then I realized, like, I was going down a one-way street the opposite direction. So, you know, I got and flipped a U-turn and just acted like I was there. Woo, that was really fun and exciting, you know, freaking out. And this is the same picture. What Jesus is saying is, is that there's lots of options for this life. There's lots of directions you can go. But in the end, if you're not following Jesus, it's like going down a one-way street the wrong way. You have the freedom to do it. And I have done it. And I don't recommend it. Everyone has freedom. That's actually one of the crucial aspects of Christianity is God gives you freedom. But what Jesus said is you have your freedom, but I am still the right way. I'm still the path uh, for which you can know me. And over this series, we're going to be talking about this path that Jesus takes you on. We're going to be talking about these basics. Like if you want to grow, Jesus will take you on this path so you can grow. And next week, we're going to talk about how do we grow through prayer, talking to God, Actually, purposeful prayer. Like, how, how is it something that can really help us communicating with God? And you may think of prayer, and it's like, man, that's the thing that I kind of do when I need to fall asleep. That's the thing I learned when I was really young, and I don't even understand what the words mean. But actually, purposeful prayer, like talking with God, can change your life. And you can really grow. So we're going to talk about that next week. The week after, we're going to talk about how to spend, like, daily time uh, with God. Like, how do we actually soak up the word of God so that truth is getting into our life and then wringing out culture and lies and all the things that may not be true? And you have to be doing that all the time, soaking up the truth, wringing out things that are not. And Jesus himself did this, and that's why he's the way, because he modeled what this looks like. After he fed the 5,000, some consider like it's the greatest miracle. Like, they ran out of food. If you don't know the story, it's, it's fascinating, but... He wants to feed these people to take care of them. They've been there all day listening to his teaching. And they're hungry. 
And the disciples are like, send them away. We need a break. Send them away. We can't handle this. And then Jesus is like, how much food do you have? And there wasn't much. And through a miracle, because Jesus had the power, the food was multiplied and everyone had their fill. And so it was like the pinnacle of like, this miracle, this awesome, like everyone's pumped. The disciples are like, that was amazing. And then Jesus, he actually showed what was important. Check out what happened. Matthew 14 says this, immediately, so right after this miracle, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Very fascinating. He did not dismiss the crowds when it could have been the most convenient. That's what I love about Jesus. If I'm reading this, I'm like, you could have just dismissed the crowd before you fed them. Let them go. But instead he fed them, did the thing to serve and to work on their behalf, and then he dismissed them. Verse 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Can you imagine? You have performed a miracle where people who were hungry, thousands and thousands and thousands, where there was no food, the food was multiplied again and again and again, and everyone had had their full and there was food left over. Could you imagine if that were to happen today? How that pull to just make sure everyone knew you did that, to make sure everyone could shake your hand. Let's get a selfie with Jesus, post it, hashtag miracle. You know, like the amount that we uplift stuff. Did you see that? And it's just, it would go viral. But Jesus did the opposite. He didn't even want to be recognized for what he did. Immediately, he pulled away and he prayed and he got time with God. And that is a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture the greatest moment where he could have just grown his celebrity, he pulled away and spent time with God. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Uh, Jesus also showed us the way by, by memorizing Scripture, actually not just spending time uh, with God in prayer, but, but actually soaking up God's Word so you have it, like, memorized. Like, so in the moments where you face difficult things and you face decisions that you have to face that are weighing on you, you, God's word speaks to you. Again, everyone has an idea of what you should do. You don't have to look far. Everyone's got advice. God actually can guide you. It's not just advice. He'll show you the way. And you see this in Jesus' life as he was tempted by Satan. And this was at this opportune time. Jesus was going to begin his ministry, and, and, and he was tempted. And Satan did all he can to throw these temptations towards Jesus. And in Matthew 4, this is what Satan says. says and he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So Satan's like, listen, all these kingdoms, all this power, I will give you. But you need to worship me. And then verse 10, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He was actually quoting 1 Samuel 7, 3, the Old Testament. God knew. Jesus knew that this is his word. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. And he resisted Satan again and again. And that's why we have to talk about God's word. That's why we have to, to memorize it. Because in those temptations, when we veer off course that we need the truth, 
We need the truth to, to light up that path. The, this is the way of God. This isn't the way of culture. This isn't the way of media. This isn't the way of what is pleasure and comfort and convenience. I need to go the way of God. And oftentimes those are in opposite directions. And that's why we need Jesus to show us the way. So we'll talk about that uh, in a few weeks. How do you memorize scripture and how do you get that into your life? And then the last week of this series, we're gonna talk about the way of Jesus in the loving people. I think every one of us, if I did a survey and I asked you, how many of you want to love people? We'd all be like, yes, I love people. We all love people. Okay, sacrifice. I don't love people, you know. We love the idea of loving people, but loving people is tough. This morning I had to clear up with my son and ask for forgiveness because yesterday, I was a grouch. You ever have those days? You ever have those days when you know you're a grouch? And you're kind of like, man, I don't even want to be around me. You ever have those days? I, I have those a lot. You know, I was, I was kind of hot. I was tired. And what it was, I just wanted my own way. I didn't want anyone to ask anything of me. And I was just getting annoyed, getting frustrated. I was just riding my son. And the scriptures actually say, dads, like, do not exasperate your children. The Lord convicted me of that. So this morning, I just had to ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? I was harsh with you. I was impatient with you. The reason I say that is I don't like to do that, ever. But I do need to love people. And that includes my own family. And there's times where I blow it again and again and again. I say times. There's a lot of times. And so we're going to talk about that. Like, how do we go this way? And Jesus set the example for that. He set the example for, for loving others. So that's the way. Uh, what was the second thing Jesus said? He's the way, and then he's the what? The truth. Jesus said to him, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. The truth. Notice if you look at this scripture. I think we have it up there. Could you put it up there for me? 14.6, it says, the way, right? The truth, the life. You ever say the and it's like, did I say that right? The. Do we have that? There it is. Now notice it doesn't say a. Interesting. We don't like statements like that in our culture right now. We don't. We're adverse to it. But it's not an option. Like, it's not just one option among many. Although there is freedom, Jesus is still saying there is still one way. And I'm it. And there's still one truth. And I'm it. And there's still one way to receive full life. And I'm it. Again, you can pursue that anywhere you want. But there's still only one option that will bring the fruition of it. Uh, John 18, 37, you don't, you don't have this, it's not on the screens either, but I read this recently, and this is Jesus is facing Pilate. This is after he had been arrested. He's facing, again, uh, the death on the cross. And Pilate is questioning him, like trying to figure out, are you guilty or not of these crimes that your people are saying you've done? And in verse 37 of John 18, it says this, then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? You know, because that's one of the crimes. Like, he says he's the king. 
And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. And then he explained it. He says, to bear witness to the truth. The reason I've come is to bear witness to the truth. And then listen to this. It says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. If you want to know whether people are in the truth or not, what do they do with what Jesus says? It's actually easy to know. What do they do with what Jesus says? Because he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is actually pretty unpopular, especially in, in, in our country, especially in the West. There's a study done a few years ago by the Barna Research, and they found that 57% of American adults agree with the statement that knowing right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. Like you just, you just kind of know whether it's right or wrong based on what you think is right or wrong or based on what you feel is right or wrong or based on what you've experienced is right or wrong, meaning it's subjective. Over half American adults, you know, think that. And then listen to this. A similar study by Barna Research found that 45% of adults, so almost half, who are not religious, so these are the people that we're trying to reach, they're not religious, consider Christianity to be extreme. And actually it is. John 14, 6 is an extreme statement by Jesus. And that's on purpose. He didn't leave like wiggle room. But extreme, what it does is it's people don't, you know, they don't know what to do with it. It's extreme. And I don't know if you realize, but like in our culture, like tolerance has become one of the highest, if not the highest value. You got to be tolerant. You ever heard that word? I don't even know what it means. Like what does it mean to be tolerant? Well, I think in today's culture, it means you need to agree with somebody that feels strongly about it. And if you don't agree, then you just be quiet. The idea of tolerance is it, you speak your truth kind of calmly, just to kind of gauge what the room says or what people uh, believe. And, and Jesus didn't, he actually didn't give that option. There's actually the United Nations came together for a declaration of principles on tolerance. Do you know that there was such a thing? This is what they described as intolerant. It, we could put that up there. It, tolerance, involves the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism. A couple words we don't use a lot. Uh, Dogmatic means asserting or insisting upon ideas of principles, especially when unproven or unexamined. You're, do- you're dogmatic if you speak to something that you don't know the facts. Man, I could go off on a tangent on this one. <laughs> Some of you want me to. Absolute means unconditional. But what's very interesting, the definition of dogmatism and intolerance is in fact dogmatic and absolute. Isn't that ironic? You guys with me? So what this means in in our world right now when we talk about truth is this. Don't claim you know the truth 
unless your truth matches mine. That's what it means. Don't claim to know the truth unless your truth matches mine. If your truth doesn't match mine, don't claim you know it. Do you realize what this leaves for us as people? Total confusion. In areas, people claim they know the truth, and they don't. And on every issue we're facing, like right now in our culture, you could see both sides that have equal support for one way or another, and it's confusing. Again, I could say a lot more, but I won't. John 1, uh, 17 says this. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That is the promise. So in this, this, this world of like, you, you, you can't really say what's true because everyone's got a different version of truth. It's not absolute. So it's choose your own truth adventure. And that actually becomes very, very confusing because nobody knows what to believe. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to fight for. So we have a bunch of people that are fighting for different things. And that actually leads to divisiveness. Do we see that in our country? Yeah. Leads to confusion. Have you been confused recently? Yeah. But notice what the scriptures say. It's not just truth, but what is it? Grace and truth. So when there's divisiveness there, a lot of time what we need, we need grace. We need grace. We need the grace that comes from Jesus. The reason I bring this up is, is Jesus, he claims, I, I am the truth. And I'm actually convinced of that. He is the truth. Everyone looks for it, but doesn't know how to claim it. Jesus, it's very interesting. He says, I am the truth, and he is the only one who backed that statement up with his life. Think about that. Everyone claims to have some piece of truth, but Jesus is the only one when speaking of what it means to live a moral life. He's the only one that backed it up. He was perfect. And what he said, he did. I don't know about you, but if you see people claiming that they know the truth, look at their life. If their life does not match what they say, can you believe it? Well, you might be able to, but you don't really believe what they say if they're not living that out. Jesus is saying, I'm the truth, and you know what? I'm going to live this out in every aspect of what I do. And you know what else? I'll actually sacrifice myself. I won't live it out. I, I will also die to show you that it is true. Jesus predicted his own death, that he would rise again, and he did it. No one can claim the truth like Jesus claims the truth because he is the truth. And then the last statement, the life. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, this is a great word for us because I think all of us are looking for life. You know, like fulfillment, meaning, purpose, a sense that, that this life has something And even more than that, like what we started with, 
that there's actually something beyond this life because life can be frustrating and hard and not enough. So what Jesus is saying is like, actually, I'm the life. You can have life and abundance here, here and now. But then also, you can have forever life with me. That's hope. And the reason that's important is because what we've done, all of us, me and you, is we have acted because of sin in a way that deserves death. Life becomes even more magnificent when you realize death is the alternative. And we all deserve that. I want to show just a a brief scripture, Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's see this uh, illustrated together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. We earn wages from God for how we've lived our lives. Sin is more an attitude than an action. It can either be actively fighting God or merely excluding Him from our lives. Death in the Bible always means some kind of separation. What we've just looked at is the bad news, but what follows is good news. If wages are what a person earns, then what's the gift? The gift we're talking about is free. It's from God Himself. It's so special that no one else can give it. Contrast one side of the cliff, death, with the other side, eternal life. Every gift has a giver, and only Jesus Christ can give the gift of eternal life. I love that. Just one verse illustrated. Like, what's the wages of our life, of our choices? Well, it's death. But the gift of God through Christ is this eternal life, the very thing that we can't do because we can't earn it because we always mess up. Jesus, again, he did for us. He gave us life. Again, he backed it up with what he did. Now notice, this is chapter 14 in John, and then later in John, he died. So he's saying this to his followers. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. You may understand a little bit of that now, but in a moment, you will see what I mean. Can you imagine the power of that after he rose again, and they saw him again, and they thought back, I remember when we had that last meal with you, you said this, and now they see it. That's experience. And we actually can have the same experience today. Now, here's where I want to end. This is really important. We've talked about dogmatic. We've talked about extreme, like this is the truth and and absolute. Here's what's the most important thing. You, You have to just understand about God. He gives you freedom. And I want to say, because I think this is very important for what we're facing, in our country right now. If there is no freedom, we're in trouble. Jesus, who had the absolute truth in himself, and God who sent him, gives us the freedom to choose. And all of us, that freedom, God does not manipulate you. He does not cause you to do things that you shouldn't do. Like, He gives you freedom. The reason I bring this up is some of this freedom is being eroded in our country. And I'm not taking like a stance on where you should be on issues. And, you know, we got a lot of things going on. COVID, vaccines, I'm just going to name it. 
okay? Because there's lots of things going on that are, are burdening, like do not let your hearts be troubled, but there's a lot of trouble that we can see or we can feel, we can experience. And this isn't just about our government. It's also about people. It's about ourselves. Like anytime you don't have freedom, then it's not real. So freedom is, is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. And that's why I want to encourage you, what we're talking about right now, you have to decide for yourself. And there's lots of options you could choose from. Our culture and our world gives those in front of you every single day. But the decision is, do you believe that what Jesus said is true? Because if he is the way, and he's the truth and the life, then your options are actually very limited. You can choose all sorts of paths, but what Jesus is saying is, listen, you can spend so much time going in the wrong direction that you can waste your life. And in fact, if you never turn to follow Jesus, you will not spend eternity with him either. So the stakes are really high. And that's why we start here. Back to the basics. The basics of Christianity is, what do you do with Jesus Christ? And he gives you freedom to investigate. That's what this series is about. He gives you freedom to get to know him. He gives you freedom to begin to choose what would it mean for me to give my life to him fully And he offers that for all of us to to get to know him. But then the last part, John 14, 6, no one comes to the Father except through me. The idea is that that salvation, it's it's not found in anywhere else. Lasting peace and meaning uh, is, is, is not found anywhere else. Eternal life is not found in anywhere else. When life wraps up, every single one of us will appear before God. And we have to give an account to him, every single one of us. And what the scriptures say is that Jesus, he actually, if you choose to follow him, he becomes your your mediator. So when you appear before God, when your life wraps up, he says, what did you do with my son Jesus? Jesus will step in and say, actually, he, he, he followed me. My death, the price that I paid, he believed in me. He gave, he, she gave their life to me. And you now enter into eternity with God. We don't talk about this a lot. We, we don't think about it a lot. But when you think about what life is all about, there has to be a sense like we're living for something more, even than here and now. Because if this is all we have, life can be very frustrating. And it can feel like we're coming up short. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you decide to follow Jesus, you can actually have access to the full life forever and an eternity with him. Jesus steps in, and he's your mediator. He's your reconciler with God. So as I wrap up, I want to invite the band up and encourage you to take some some next steps. I know this is a lot to kind of comprehend this is, like, this is what it, it is all about. So first next step, if, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, if you never decided, like, I'm going to give my life to him, you're saying, like, I believe he, he is the way, the path, and he's the truth, and he's the life. If you've never made that decision, you, 
you can decide that today. And on your connection card, there's a place where you can mark that. I think contact me right there at the bottom. It says contact me about uh, following Jesus. You can check that. You can circle that, and we will follow up with you. And then the next next step is Ben mentioned this. Uh, if you've not yet signed up for a group, I know that that's a risk. One, you're maybe getting around people that you don't know as well. Two, you're giving up another piece of your time for things related to Ridgeview, and that's risky. But if you're investigating and you're trying to figure out like how this stuff works into your life, a group is a great way uh, to do this. In fact, in the connect groups, we'll be discussing what I talk about each week, the basics, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And so uh, it's not too late, like Ben said, to sign up. You just write the group number on there, and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. And then the third next step, uh, Ben also mentioned this. Uh, if you've never been baptized, uh, one of the basics of Christianity is going public with your faith and saying, like, I follow Jesus, and he's forgiven me of my sins, and then symbolically through baptism, you show that that transformation takes place. Baptism does not save you. There's nothing special in the water, but what you do is you go public with your faith. And if you've never been baptized by immersion, I encourage you, take that step. Be baptized. We want to celebrate the new life that you have uh, with you. And then last but not least, our men's summit is coming up. Any men going to that? I heard a woman in there, I think. That's okay. But the men's summit, I'm really excited about. Uh, We're going to be talking about how to become men of influence. And today is the last day for early registration. Tomorrow, it goes up $40. So if you sign up today, it's like, take your wife out, your family out for a meal, because you just saved that. So I encourage you. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just talking. It's like, wrap it up, Alex. I am. Sorry. Um, But... I encourage you, you men, again, it is a risk, and there's lots of things that are pulling at your life and my life, and it's very easy. Uh, we're busy. But we're going to be talking about how do we be men of influence and actually make an impact, especially in a time uh, where people aren't sure what to do with men. Like, well, just kind of do what you do. But actually, as men, like, we're supposed to lead, make an impact in this world. So we're going to talk about how to do that. So if you check that, we will make sure that you receive the information today. So if you haven't signed up for the Men's Summit, you check that, and you need to register by today to get the early, early price. So sorry for all those details, ladies. Hope that didn't hinder too much, but I hope you guys will sign up for that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song back to God after we receive our offering. If I've not met you, I'll be by the info table. I'd love to meet you after the service. Let's pray. God, we, we do thank you for Jesus and the fact that he is the only one who can state the truth of who he is and back it up with his life. There, there's no dissonance or disconnect from his words and his life. And personally, God, I know so many of us have experienced um, the way of, of Jesus and the progress that he's helped us with. And the truth that we have found as we follow you in your word. And then the life, like just the full life that we can experience here and now. So God, we thank you for these words. I I pray that if there's anyone that's just frustrated or distracted and troubled, may these words encourage them today. In the name of Jesus, amen.